You don't just have power. You have his power. You're his granddaughter. You are a Palpatine. Somehow Palpatine returned. What? Luke and I were telling an old Jedi hunter. What's your festoon? He was carrying a clue that could lead to a wayfinder. What? My boy. I made Snoke. Beginning of two weeks of the Sith, because always two there are, no more, no less. We're doing two weeks, two episodes in a row of Sithy kind of episodes, kinda, as much as we kind of can, I guess. They're they're both yeah, they both have Sith in the title. <laughs> they're both about things with Sith in them. You'll have to figure out what the next one is, but there's Sith in it, so yeah, that makes sense. Well, in this week, we are talking about Shadow of the Sith, the recent book that came out from Del Rey, written by Adam Christopher. You know, it's funny because, like, we don't do a whole lot of book episodes on Blast Points, really. No, we don't. We, we've done a lot, actually, but not that many, considering... How many episodes we have. Or not the books people maybe want to hear about. <laughs> it's kind of more yeah. of the thing. Yeah. Well, we gotta jump around. I guess occasionally, well, occasionally we'll do like, you know, whatever the hot the hot book is. But it's been a while since we've done like a, a current book. Um, but this one, yeah, we just couldn't we couldn't pass it up. It's got Ochi in it, which is something that we think too much about for good and bad reasons. We think about Ochi. And I feel like it was written by Adam Christopher, who we kept seeing at Celebration. So it was like another reason that we should read this book. Everywhere. Everywhere. In line for the food trucks. 
just walking around the whole time. He seems like he was incredibly busy at Celebration, but somehow we just saw him ever like walking down the street at least once a day, if not more than once a day. We saw him. So it was like maybe we, maybe the universe is trying to tell us that we should read his book. And he was at the Creatures of Return of the Jedi panel with us, Spina, and Kirk Thatcher. He heard us talking about Light Man. <laughs> but yeah, as soon as this book was announced, it was just like, okay, yes, I definitely want to read that. Yes, we have to talk about that. Because I think the unspoken thing a lot of the times with Shadow of the Sith it's like, yes, we need answers to some of that Rise of Skywalker stuff. And I think that for me with like going into this book, I'm like, yes, I really want to read this. It's, it's like Spalco, I want to know. I, I needed to know someone to tell me like some of this Rise of Skywalker stuff because I want to I want to let that movie more into my heart. And we have an unspoken rule here on the show that we don't really talk about Rise of Skywalker much. And it kind of breaks my heart because it's like, it's, I want to, I want to let it in more. And it's like, if I can understand it more, if Adam Christopher can help me hold my hand through some of the parts that have driven me crazy. Good. Thank you. Please do. Because I, yeah, I want to love it more. It's like he's a, a therapist and it's us and our Star Wars child, Rise of Skywalker, and we, you know, we love each other and we're family, but we just don't see eye to eye and we just need him to help us work through our differences. <laughs> it's like maybe there are things you you will never agree on, but I can help you understand where each other are coming from. And I, I appreciate that so much. Yeah. And I feel like Shadow of the Sith. I feel like it did that for me. Like you said, there are things perhaps we'll never see eye to eye on with that movie, but it made me want to rewatch The Rise of Skywalker. And I think no matter what people's opinion of that movie, because there's a ton of people out there that really love that movie, and we love you that you love that movie, because, but believe me, we've been there before and on that other side. So we're we're not we're not throwing shade on anybody here. But I feel like no matter what people thought of the Rise of Skywalker whether you love it or you didn't love it, it makes you like God, I kind of want to go back and experience some of the scenes now with the knowledge that Shadow the Sith has given. I don't know, did you feel that way, Gabe? Yeah, I did. And and I feel that way about the movie all the time like every month or so I'm like I should really watch Rise of Skywalker. And usually I don't, but I think about it quite a bit. So yeah, it was good to have another thing, another kick in the butt to be like, okay, you need to find some time to spend some time uh, with uh, Rise of Skywalker. I do watch the, uh, like the first, what, two minutes with Kylo showing up on uh, Mustafar and then he goes to Exegol and he talks to Palpatine. Like I'll, I'll, I'll pop that in from time to time just to get a little taste. But I will say, and this was something I was pleasantly surprised as going into this book, I assumed it would be like most of the book or like the the best parts of the book would be it kind of explaining things about Rise of Skywalker. And it kind of turns out that more of the book is not about filling in those holes. And the story when the book is just kind of on its own, doing its own thing is actually really enjoyable and fun to read. And I was 
happy that it kind of stands on its own. It's not just like the book about filling in the gaps of Rise of Skywalker. Totally. And I think that that's the thing that it's like, it hooks you in of like, yes, I, I need to know, you know, the story with Ray's parents and I need to know about the dagger and Ochi Bastoon and all the unsolved mysteries of the Rise of Skywalker, which we're going to be talking about later in this episode. But yeah, once you start getting into it and you start getting into like Luke and Lando's story and some of the new characters in the book. It's not like it's surprising how invested you are because these are characters that we all care about so much, but you stop kind of thinking about the rise of Skywalker stuff that you picked it up for. You're, you're involved in, yeah, like you said, all these other stories that you didn't know you were getting. And I think that's a great thing. Well, and it's kind of fun to get, back to the sequel trilogy and get kind of just a sequel trilogy time story that isn't worrying about, well, the, all the movies aren't out yet, so we can't get too much into things. And yeah, just to kind of get back into that time frame of after return of the Jedi and after what we've been getting with Mandalorian and book of Boba and kind of getting really close to force awakens time. And it reminded me, too, of a lot of my favorite kind of Star Wars books. Like, we we did an episode a while back on Tatooine Ghost. One day we'll do an episode on another one of my favorite ones, Dark Lord, that came out after Revenge of the Sith, where it was, like, Vader's first week as being Darth Vader. But especially, like, something like Tatooine Ghost, which is a weird, funky, crazy book, but something that does a pretty good job of tying together stuff from the prequels and the original trilogy. And I like how shadow of the Sith ties in stuff from sequel trilogy, the original trilogy, just kind of connecting dots that we didn't know could be connected. And and I, I, I love when star Wars books are able to do that. Well, and this kind of ties back to prequel trilogy stuff too, with the, uh character appearance that we'll talk about soon and just how many like battle droids there are in here and and some implied i think to be prequel era and others that are just you know modern as far as the time frame of this story takes on you know robot soldiers and battle droid type stuff so it it was kind of you know pulling it all together so before we start to get into some of the the unsolved mysteries of rise of skywalker like we were saying Let's just talk about general feelings about the book. Obvious, if you haven't noticed already, probably if you didn't read the book, we're going to be talking about everything. So if you haven't, like, kind of be like, oh, geez, these guys are going all the way with this. Probably this is your warning. But no, so Gabe, what did you think of Shadow of the Sith in general? Well, I will say I had a, it took me a little bit to warm up to it. And I think part of it is just, it's, it's one of those kind of stories where it kind of jumps around from chapter to chapter from character to character. And I think it jumped around so much early on. It kind of took me a little bit to kind of get settled in, but once you kind of get into the meat of the story and it, it does kind of stick with characters for more than one chapter, I kind of got sucked into it. Uh, and yeah, I enjoyed the little tidbits of kind of filling in some of the gaps in the story in rise of Skywalker. I liked hearing about Ray's parents and kind of them actually being people and, and characters and more than uh man, what are they even 
five seconds in Rise of Skywalker that they're actually in the movie. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. I enjoyed, yeah, kind of learning about them. And, and I think it made me, it did make me think about Rise of Skywalker. And it kind of made me think, man, I kind of wish there would have been more of them in the movie. Because them actually being people and, and kind of knowing a little bit about them kind of makes the the thing that sounds ridiculous of, well, they, they, they sold you cause they loved you kind of a thing like that doesn't make sense. But when you read the book, it kind of does like, okay, you know, there's, there's a reason they did what they did and they did it out of love. And I kind of believe it now after reading the book and then just as far as it's got some great, just, you know, star Wars adventure with Luke and Lando and lightsaber fights. And, and like I said, battle droids and you know, what's not to love. I agree where I was like, Looking forward to the Dathan and Miramir, which I love saying that name, Miramir. <laughs> you notice I'm trying not to say it because I can't, I can barely read it and not get confused. So I'm glad you can say it. Miramir. I, I was looking forward to those chapters the most. Like when it would go back to a Dathan and Miramir part, it's like, oh, good, because I love them. And I like the parts where we kind of go into Dathan's head a little bit and his kind of struggles of dealing with what he knows he is and his relationship with Miramir and their love for Ray. And I like the characterization of little Ray, just very much like a little girl with like her headphones on and her blanket. And, and it was sad because it's like all the characters in the book, like Luke and Ray and, you know, Dathan and Miramir, you know, where these stories end or you know where they're they're going to end up so i I don't i don't know i don't think ray's story is over but you know where it's going to end up at least in the force awakens and it it made me think of force awakens too of her hoping her parents are going to come back and that always seemed like such a kind of vague concept or at the time it was just like oh you know her dad's obi-wan or something crazy but i think it would make not just the viewing the rise of Skywalker again, but using viewing force awakens and last Jedi, it would make all of those like a, a new experience L- kind of, yeah. Learning who these characters were as actual characters and not just like showing up. Yeah. Like you said, for five seconds and being like, what, what is this? What's happening here? That guy's the clone <laughs> of Palpatine. What? Yeah. And I was really, really happy to get that. And yeah, you know, I and I loved the Luke and Lando stuff in this book too, where I've heard a couple other people talking about this, and it's crazy to think about that in the original trilogy, those two characters don't really spend a whole lot of time together on screen. In books and stuff and in comics, yes, of course, they do make a good team together. And it's neat this Luke Skywalker we're getting where it's not the Luke and Grogu that we saw in Book of Boba where he's kind of still figuring out this whole thing and they're literally building the temples. And this is Luke with the temples and with young Jedi and kind of using Ben Solo as his second in charge and their relationship together. Again, it's fleshing this out more where you know where it, it ends and it ends tragically kind of 
but it gives these scenes in the book like an added weight that I really appreciate it. And it's, yeah, like you said, it's just neat kind of going back into the sequel trilogy now because I feel like we've been away from it for a while and we love it. And it's kind of like, oh, yeah, it's kind of refreshing. Well, it was neat having the this Luke be kind of leaning towards Force Awakens, Last Jedi Luke 2, where he's kind of, he's distracted and you can kind of see where some of the rift between him and Ben Solo would, would come because, and he's not a hundred percent focused on his teaching in his school. Cause he's kind of distracted by, you know, Sith artifacts and, and these other things that, you know, in true Luke fashion, he's kind of, his mind isn't in the here and now he's like looking off to the future or, you know, he's distracted. So it's neat to see that kind of creeping in to the, the more older, wiser Luke. And also I did like that the book, brought up the fact which never crossed my mind and I felt stupid reading it in the book of that Luke and Lando are, you know, the only two people who blew up death stars basically. So they should be hanging out together. And if there was like a, you know, a star Wars convention in star Wars, they would be like sitting at a table together, giving autographs as like the two guys who blew up death stars. And I really like Luke would like when he's dealing with uh Kiza, I think Kiza or Kaiza, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. I like how much he says to her, you know, come with me. There's another way. You don't have to be like this. It's like he's thinking of his experience with his father, with Anakin Vader. And he's like, I could I could do that again. Like, that was my most amazing accomplishment, which in a way it, it kind of is that he had faith in his father. I mean, that's, you know, the big ending. That's the return of the Jedi. But that it doesn't work with her. And again, thinking about how this echoes in the sequel trilogy and that it doesn't work with Ben. And again, that just got me spinning while I was reading it, thinking of, well, of course that breaks Luke. That puts him in the state he's in where at the end of force awakens and in last Jedi, because he's Luke in this book is so kind of hopeful which is a very Luke Skywalker thing and thinking he can do the right thing all the time. Well, he's not ready for failure. Like it hits him hard because he doesn't, he doesn't expect it. Right. Cause up to this point, it, everything he tried worked and now things he's trying are starting to not work and he's not ready for that. And we also get some great surreal force visions where he starts to see Exegol and actually be on Exegol and at one point he kind of is unintentionally almost Last Jedi style force projecting there. Yeah, that chapter, it's, it's like, it's either like chapter 12 or chapter 13, I can't remember. It's like these two chapters, like right smack dab in almost the middle of the book where it's just like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, where yeah, he's like on Exegol and there's like Sith like demonoid floating things coming after him right with lightsabers circling him and the ghost of his of Anakin Skywalker like shoots down like a blue comet pretty much they're talking about and like sends like these Sith ghosts back and Anakin and Luke have a little convo well and I think that's another thing to bring up to the book really kind of got me like jazzed about Exegol, like just thinking about actually how cool Exegol could be and thinking about that you know, the cultists are potentially more 
there's more to them than just an arena full of like yelling silhouette people like that there's potentially these i don't know just like spooky alien people like a whole society of them on this planet and it's like got me thinking about the the uh, the purple spooky dude navigators in last jedi and like you know is there just a planet that just like kind of creepy creepy people like i'm kind of i want to know more about this yeah it, it got me thinking a lot about like well of course like with snoke and everything of like because there's a chapter early on with Dathan escaping from Exegol and just talking about all the weird things going on there. And that Dathan is like like a failed version of Palpatine that doesn't have the force. And yeah, I was just like, well, of course, Snoke is like a, just a giant sized failed version of like Palpatine that they were trying to do. And there's just lots of yeah weird stuff going on there. And yeah, there's these Sith cultists. And I like the whole idea that for the Sith, like Exegol is like this place of rebirth. Where it's like, if I can just get to Exegol, I will be reborn. Because the Sith like will never, ever, ever want to die. And even Ochi wants to get back to Exegol so like he can look normal again. Which I love. Right. <laughs> I love the exploration. I mean, Ochi has been in, in, the, in the comics a lot and stuff, but I love Ochi in this book. Just getting to know Ochi. And I love that Ochi is just kind of an idiot. Yeah, he didn't seem as much of an idiot to me earlier on, but maybe it took me a while. These Sith Eternal show up. They give him the mysterious blade, which I, I appreciate also. Like We're going to get into in the Unsolved Mysteries the explanation of the blade. And then what does Ochi do? He literally goes to a bar and is saying loud enough that Lando from the other side of the bar can hear him talking like, you're never going to believe what happened. These Sith people showed up and they want me to go find some girl and they gave me some mystery blade. Okay. Now that you put it that way. Yeah. I guess he was kind of, (laughs) he was kind of an idiot from the beginning. So then why did yeah why did the ghost of Palpatine pick Ochi? I guess he just he was he was the only person he was the only choice he had. It made total sense too for me because I was like Palpatine's plan is always like crucially flawed. <laughs> True. He's always got these evil mastermind plans, but there's always one step in there that's really stupid. <laughs> When when you're looking through the force across the galaxy, Ochi looks pretty cool, and you might not realize that, yeah, he's kind of a goon. <laughs> well, yeah, and another thing, I guess, to kind of drive home kind of some of the Rise of Skywalker, I don't know if they're themes, but like just kind of Sith evil and possession, um, having another character, Kiza, who she was from, was she in the Aftermath book? She's from another book, right? yeah. She's from the Chuck Wendig's Aftermath trilogy, which I'm I was really happy that they worked in the Acolytes of the Beyond in the Aftermath trilogy into this book, because that was one thing that when that book came out before Force Awakens, I think it was it was it before Force Awakens or I, I can't remember. Well, the first Aftermath book one was, I think, was before and then right. The other ones were after. Yeah, and then the Acolytes of the Beyond were like, oh, like, this is, this is great. This is amazing. These are like these Sith, like, worshiping cult. 
And it was neat seeing that idea coming back in this book and working it into like Exegol and the Sith Eternal. And it was like, oh, yeah, this like connecting it all makes total sense. And then I just started thinking about like the Aftermath books in general and thinking about Shadow of the Sith and the short chapters and the kind of a very kind of episodic way of telling the story and kind of jumping around a lot and stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is almost like a continuation of kind of what we saw in some of the aftermath books. Well, and it's also kind of the playing up the whole idea of the Jedi can kind of live forever in the force in the kind of mystical realm, but the Sith can't do that, but they can possess things and kind of, live on in the physical world, the material world somehow. And there's this mask that's kind of been possessed by this Sith spirit that kind of takes over Kizza and kind of turns her into an evil Sith ninja. It's like, was that Ninja three? She gets possessed by the sword. Is it basically the same thing as that? Ninja 3, the domination. It is very Ninja 3, the domination. Which if you've never seen Ninja 3, the domination, the opening scene is ninjas on a golf course. (laughs) All you need to know. So this is a little bit like that. But it kind of gave, you know, a little foreshadowing of Palpatine, how he could come back and gives Luke kind of something to do and the reason that he's kind of starting to see Exegol and starting to think about the Sith again is there's just bad mojo in these Sith artifacts and that kind of ties into the dagger too which I'm sure we'll get more in of the <laughs> this this book tried so hard and I think succeeded in making the dagger way cooler than it was in the movie yeah like you said we'll get into it but that is a miracle because as of just like two months ago, I didn't even want to think about it. I would like look at, see a picture of the dagger and be like, oh, that makes me so mad. But now I'm kind of like, well, it's kind of interesting. <laughs> he is the most feared and powerful warrior, a ninja who explodes onto America. His soul transforms her into a lethal assassin. An epic struggle of superhuman strength and supernatural forces. Ninja 3, The Domination, Rated R. The Rise of Skywalker is powerful and game-changing. It is time that she learn a story. Nothing can prepare you for the end. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Rated PT-13. Not playing. So, all right. Here we go. Unsolved mysteries. What we're going to do is we're going to bring up a topic that has haunted us for years related to the rise of Skywalker and kind of talk about how shadow of the Sith has kind of solved a mystery or happily created new mysteries made what possibly in the past for us was frustrating unsolved mysteries into intriguing unsolved mysteries. Sometimes answering a question just 
ends up asking a whole new question. But at that point, it's a new question. So it's progress. <laughs> what more can you ask for? So let's talk about the first one. We were talking about him before. Ochi Bastoon, his car with the hood ornament, the ship, and the dagger. Well, if we wanted, you know, do a simple one, his car with the ridiculous hood ornament. Now, Dathan, all through the story, has a Sith, like what, amulet necklace? Did Dathan, was he wearing it or did he have his wife or Ray? Mirror, mirror. <laughs> Her name is Mirror, mirror. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Was I can't remember who was wearing it. One of them was wearing it, but it was basically a necklace with this like Sith symbol and it was supposed to hold power and all this stuff. So that's why Ochi has a symbol on his hood ornament because that's what Sith do and it's like a good luck charm or a bad luck charm because they're evil. Kind of makes sense. His car was old and, and broken. It was a speeder it hovered it floated how does it fall in quicksand that doesn't make sense well it had a damaged repulsor lift in the back it's it's towards the end of the book but i was really happy reading that whole scene because literally it's something i thought about every single day since december 2019 (laughs) and reading about ochi's speeder falling into the the coffee bean quicksand and i was just like oh okay yeah all right good (laughs) I'm very happy to read this. <laughs> and apparently Ochi was drunk on antifreeze or something. <laughs> so it was just, he was not in a good place. And, you know, you know, it happens. You have a little too much to drink. You go out in the desert and you end up in quicksand with a snake. Well, and just Ochi a bastoon in general. He's this Jedi hunter from, from the past and he is tasked by the mysterious voice of Palpatine to go and find the daughter of Dathan, the, the misfit clone, whatever of Palpatine. And he is given this dagger by the Sith eternal that the dagger is like this, like possessed dagger that like, likes drinking the blood of its victims and stuff. (laughs) And the dagger is like starting to make Ochi crazy. And I was kind of like, okay, I'm into this because I completely forgot that how in the Rise of Skywalker, like Ray picks up the dagger and it's like, oh, and like gets like the vision of her parents and all that stuff. Where again, when I was sitting in the theater, I was like, what? But reading this and kind of like doing this, it's it's an intriguing mystery. I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, all right, all right. Is writing on it. Perhaps I can translate. The location of the Wayfinder has been inscribed upon this dagger. It's the clue that Master Luke was looking for. And I spent a lot of time, too, with the book being like, well, okay, there's two Wayfinders. Vader had one. It was on Mustafar, the weird forest section of Mustafar. Palpatine had the other one and it was in the Death Star that crashed. And it's like, if Ochi wanted to get to Exegol 
he could have used the dagger to get the Wayfinder to go to Exegol. Do you think, though, that is supposed to be why they give him, they basically give him the key to find the Wayfinder, but they don't tell him he has the key to find the Wayfinder. And if he found Ray, then they would be like, well, you already have the key to the find the Wayfinder. It's the dagger. That's kind of what I was thinking. And I was like, okay, great. Got it. <laughs> Thank you. I can stop thinking about this. Because, yeah, if they if he would have found Ray, it would have been like, well, how are they going to give him the Wayfinder? Because they didn't have it. Actually, how did did they physically come from Exegol, Exegol to give him the dagger? Did we just find a new question that this answer opened? They just show up. Yeah, I think they just show up. They're like all spooky. They they come and be like, hey, Ochi, check it out. Dagger. Boom. So how do they get back if they don't have a Wayfinder? They don't need the Wayfinder. They know how to get there. Okay. But Palpatine needed one. Or maybe he was just hiding it. Well, maybe, you know, maybe they were using the one on uh, Mustafar. Because that one, you know, if you knew where it was, you just had to go and like lift up that rock and it was there. So maybe that's where they kept it. It was like keeping the keys under the mat. It's like... Okay, we're we're heading back to Exegol to stick it stick it back on Mustafar. Yeah, it would make sense so that Palpatine had one, and he's just like, I, I got to keep spooky Exegol's secret, and I'm going to keep it in my secret spot where nobody can find it, right next to my my favorite chair. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you you know if you go there enough, you'll remember it. You you know you remember the route. It's still good to have Google Maps just in case you forget, even though if you remember. I think we solved. Enough of this mystery, and I feel really good about it. So let's move on. Let's talk about Lando being on Pasana. The movie happens, they're on Pasana, the Akiaki Festival one of our favorite parts and they just happen to run into Lando who's inside like a giant tank with his Muppet driver. Really great. But it was all kind of strange where Lando's wearing like this disguise and all of a sudden he's just, just casually just like, Oh yeah, me and Luke were looking for Exegol and stuff. And they're like, you're like, what? Yeah. We were looking for a Jedi hunter. Why? (laughs) What are you talking about? So first thing that's a minor thing, though, is his helmet he got from the other character in this book, right? Comet. That's her helmet. So Lando makes a new friend named Comet, who is this, was one of the acolytes of the the beyond. And now she lives on a pretty cool radioactive planet where a Mon Calamari ship crashed and didn't explode and just corrupted the planet. And she harvests radioactive particles and just chills all the time and and has a robot that fights with a sword, which that was probably my favorite character in the book. Now that we think about it was the sword fighting droid and she has cool armor. And at the end Lando wants, you know, to remember her because she's cool and she gives him his helmet. Well, and we didn't talk about too, the whole thing with Lando that Lando's whole jumping off point with going on this quest to stop Ochi from kidnapping this mysterious girl who we as the reader know is Ray, but they don't know that was that Lando's daughter was kidnapped 
before the this book starts. So somewhere in be- after Return of the Jedi, before this book, Lando had a daughter. The daughter's kidnapped. Lando is kind of back to like playing Sabacc and kind of given up on the Rebel Alliance and stuff and is just kind of not in a good place when the book starts. He doesn't find his daughter in this book or even by the time we see him in Rise of Skywalker, which is kind of sad. I think that's the part of the book that I didn't like just because it was reminding me of that story, which I was glad wasn't in Rise of Skywalker because I could kind of imagine it didn't happen. But now it's like, I guess it really happened. It just makes me feel bad because it's like, well, you know, when I watch Return of the Jedi, it's like everyone, you all have kids and they're all either kidnapped or dead. (laughs) It's kind of a downer. I can't help thinking, too, that the story with Lando and his missing daughter is not over. No, that's true. Could it turn out that it is Janna? I mean, it's a little kind of coincidence and small world that like not, you know, not every character has to be related to each other. Yeah, I still feel like that the end of Rise of Skywalker is like, why don't we find out together? You know, like even if Janna isn't his actual daughter, if he has almost like a father daughter relationship with Janna in future stories, I think that could be something really cool and worth exploring. Well, and it's one of those things that it it bugs me because I want Lando to be happy, but it does add drama and give something for the character to do and and reasons for the character to be the way he is. So, you know, for dramatic reasons, it works, even though if it makes, it makes me sad that Lando can't just be happy. Yeah, no, I hear, I hear that. It's why he's on Pasana too. And he, he stayed there this whole time. And maybe he was just going to the Aki Aki party at that point with his, with his Muppet driver guy. Well, that's what he kind of says at the end. It's like, there's the, the peace of the desert and then, you know, he's going to go. He hasn't searched that sector for his daughter. And also, he just wants to go hang out with the the people in the village and party and go to puppet shows. <laughs> Which, who wouldn't? Yeah, right? Like, I kind of want to go to Pisana. Wookiees stand out in the crowd. <laughs> it's good to see you too, old buddy. This is General Lando Calrissian. We know who he is, 3 It is an honor, General. General Calrissian, we're looking for Exegol. Of course you are. Okay, so let's move on to a big one. This is a really big one. This is one when we were waiting in line for the Smuggler's Run Millennium Falcon. We were with, like, Sky Talkers and Brandon from Talking Bay, and they had already read this book. I was just like, I just got to ask you one question. What is the deal with Ochi's ship dropping off Rey in The Force Awakens? Why would Ochi, if he was hunting for Rey, why would he drop her off on Jakku? That was the big thing that I was driving me crazy for years. An unsolved mystery has been solved. Because Ray's parents stole Ochi's ship. And they figured if they have his ship, he can't follow them. And they're going to go back to Jakku because why would Ochi look for them there? Because that's where they lived before they had already lived on Jakku. So it kind of makes sense. 
but they didn't know that another character uh, who isn't Admiral or General or whatever, Pride. What is he? Is he Admiral Pride? Or no, he's like. Yeah, he's just General Pride. He's just, just your normal <laughs> General Pride. And so this is before he was General, but he is around and he is part of the ex-Empire, soon to be First Order. And was given the order from the voice of Palpatine to help Ochi, but he doesn't trust Ochi, so he puts a tracker on his ship. And ultimately, that is how Ochi finds his ship that's now on Jakku, dropping off Rey, but this time piloted by Rey's parents, not by Ochi. Again, reading this, I finally was just like, oh, thank you. I, it's the, the clouds have parted. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. It was it was a a puzzle waiting to be solved, and Adam Christopher did it. And why is she with Unkar Plutt? Well, they knew Unkar Plutt. They used to work for him, and they know all he cares about is money. So they asked him to to take care of Ray while they took care of business, while they took care of Ochi. I was so happy to get new Unkar Plutt content too just uncar plot talking and just reading it in uncar plot voice i was really happy for that it's been too long since we got uncar plot uncar plot uncut plot unplot uncut plot plot for the fun of it go any other putter but a putt putt putter's gonna put it in a puddle up but a putt putt putter is a much better putter because putt putt makes it fun so putt putt for the fun of it putt putt for the fun of it so bring a date and your brother or your mate and your mother and putt put a hole in one putt a putt a putt a putt 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 a putt a putt 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 makes it fun so putt putt for the fun of it 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 well, and also this whole part of them, you know, sneaking back to Jakku in Ochi's ship kind of leads everyone to Pasana too, because Unkar Plutt has a Pasana Eki Eki necklace in his junk shop and kind of gives them the idea that that's a place to lose somebody. Right. And after Ochi kills the parents, he sees the Akiaki necklace and he's like, oh, oh, I know where the girl is. And that's, again, where he crashes his hot rod with the hood ornament. And I was, it's like, I, this, it's all coming together. Thank you. Fine. Literally, it's something that's been bothering me for years and years and years and years. And it's became clear. And now I understand it. Well, because it's, you know, that's one of the things in the movie, too, where the the mom's like, she's not on Jakku. Why would Ochi believe her? Now we know it's because Ochi, thinking he's smarter than everyone else, sees the necklace and thinks that she was trying to trick him to think she's on Jakku, which she's really on Pisana. It all kind of makes sense. Well, that brings us to our next Solved, unsolved mystery. The mystery of Ray. It wasn't really a mystery, like we said earlier. It's now just kind of clear where Ray really was waiting for her parents. 
she really did think they were going to come back because there's like a whole page in the book where they're just like, we're going to come back, Ray. Don't worry, Ray, we're going to come back. And it's sad thinking about how long Ray went and, you know, the little hat, little cross marks in her little shed she lived in of days that have gone by where she's just been waiting and waiting and waiting for them to come back. And the characterization of Dathan getting to know him as a person. And again, like we said, not just like this, like, wait, who's what? Something Rise of Skywalker and I will never see eye to eye on is the, the Ray Palpatine, but kind of knowing Dathan and making him an actual character and how he feels about who he is. It softens it a little bit for me, a little bit. Well, it's kind of the the thing where the idea is a solid idea once it kind of gets fleshed out. And and just having like one line in the movie doesn't feel the same way as actually getting to spend time with this character and kind of seeing the interesting thing of him almost having the same childhood as Ray, where he was, even though he technically had a family, he didn't really because he was an experiment and he didn't turn out the way they wanted. So he just kind of lived by himself on this weird planet of spooky, evil people and, and didn't have any friends and kind of had to like Ray kind of, you know, escape and, and go off and make something of himself. And that stuff was interesting. And he had his like one Sith eternal friend that like snuck him onto Darth Vader's (laughs) shuttle to get him off the planet in a crate or something. And again, too, it just it made me just think about Ray as a character and how much I did and continue to enjoy her as a character. It got me thinking about Ray and the sequel trilogy again, and I really enjoyed that. I'm so lonely. So afraid to leave. At night. Desperate to sleep. You imagine an ocean. I see it. I see the island. You. You're afraid. That you will never be as strong as Darth Vader. Well, and that kind of leads us to our final unsolved mystery. That this one, this is one that we were talking about. That kind of doesn't necessarily get solved, but asks new questions. The whole somehow Palpatine has returned. It's not directly talked about in shadow of the sith there's like one part where dathan is talking about he sees like a table and they're like operating or something there's weird things going on with palpatine it almost kind of hints that palpatine's like spirit is inside like a cloned body or something and you get the sense that the book is kind of purposely being vague with all of that it still feels like there's a lot of stuff coming in Star Wars stories to be told in the next couple of years or even this year that could address that. Yeah. Cause it's like, we got, you know, the hints of 
a Sith spirit kind of possessing another person's body. Because by the end of Kiza's story, like she's pretty much dead, isn't she? In the in the spirit in the mask, kind of reanimates her body. Yeah, with like droid parts and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah, so it's kind of like, okay, well, if, you know, that's kind of a thing, then, you know, Palpatine being Palpatine, he doesn't want to be in somebody else's body. So it makes sense that they're maybe trying to make somehow clone him a body that's not only his body, but maybe has the force in it. So he'll be even, you know, either as powerful or more powerful as he was before. So it's like, okay, I kind of kind of get that. He's been, and knowing Palpatine, you know, maybe he's been trying to, plan for that for a long time so it seems like yeah like maybe bad batch is going to get into that maybe mando season three is going to get into that because we've gotten hints of of cloning and and weird empire type stuff in both of those shows um and then everything with you know why were they doing experiments on grogu maybe that all kind of goes into to that unsolved mystery eventually being solved in the future Cause, yeah, because I kept thinking too, like the trailers for Mando season three with all the cloning stuff going on in that, and I I don't know how long I spent thinking about well, how old is Dathan? Wikipedia has his birth of twelve years before the Battle of Yavin, before the Battle of Yavin. So, <laughs> so that's after Revenge of the Sith, like in that whole bad batch kind of error we're getting so yeah if they're taking lama sue into the the mystery mountain at the end of season one of bad batch is this whole thing gearing up to like we're trying to clone palpatine and then think of like the trailer for season two of bad batch with like palpatine in it with masamita like is this a whole thing going on with trying to clone the force or like force powers, Sith powers. Yeah. Cause it seems like there's some of that going on and it's been going on for a long time. If it's, you know, starting before a new hope and potentially going all the way past return of the Jedi. But that seems like, you know, something Palpatine would do They're They're in it for the long game. So if it took him 20 years to figure it out, it's fascinating, and I love, yeah, it got me thinking about these crazy thoughts. Literally, I started thinking about how, how old Dathan was and thinking about when he's like, escapes in the book, and then like, wait, 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 wait. And then thinking about, yeah, the, the mystery cloning mountain, getting Grogu's blood and all the stuff going on and what's going to happen in Mando Season 3. And I was like, okay, I'm into this. I'm ready to go. I don't know if you turned me around, Shadow of the Sith, but you sold me, if that makes any sense. Well, and it got us thinking about Rise of Skywalker stuff, which is good. Yeah, like we said, for the past two years, with the exception for the, of the Soggy Year episode, it's, it was a topic we just didn't want to talk about. And we just did like basically an hour where we just talked about Rise of Skywalker stuff. And it makes me feel good. I feel like yeah, we went to the family therapy. <laughs> yeah. Now, now we can go home and have dinner together, and 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 no one's yelling at each other. There again, there's some topics we're just not going to bring up, but we're all enjoying our food. And I hugged Rise of Skywalker after dinner. <laughs> We've spent time actually talking, which we haven't done in two years. 
we looked each other in the eye and we said, I still care about you. <laughs> We're still family. <laughs> we'll always be family. Nothing will change that. And for that, Shadow of the Sith and Adam Christopher, we are eternally grateful. New Claytu Skiff Guard Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian each sold separately from Star Wars Revenge of the Jedi collection. Prepare the planks, Skiff Guard. This will be a giant step for Jabba the Hutt. Surprise, surprise! Lando's in disguise! Let's get out of here! Whoa, the plank is falling! Help! Claytu Skiff Guard Luke Skywalker and Lando Calrissian each sold separately from Star Wars Revenge of the Jedi collection. New from Kenner. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. All right, everybody, guess what? Say it every single week. Apple Podcast Reviews. When you get done listening to this episode, go over there. Write something nice about the show, about this episode, about whatever you want. Write something nice in general. It doesn't even have to be about Blast Points. Just write something nice. It counts. Leave us a five-star review. It helps more people find the show when they're trying to look for Star Wars podcasts. And we really, really, really do love reading all the great stuff you folks have to say because we don't hear it that often we're just kind of off just talking in our weird rooms late at night trying to not wake everyone else up in the house because we're talking in the middle of the night or something crazy and if you listen on spotify go leave us a star review on there so more people can find us there because otherwise you have to use an evil sith dagger that just wants to drink blood to find us which works. Hey, that's cool, too. If you want to do that, cool. Or just leave reviews and it makes it easier for everybody else. There's only one dagger. There's not enough to go around. So you have to share the dagger. <laughs> it's a good point. And it's a lot less messy. So, Well, it's not messy. It, it absorbs all the, all the guts and blood into the dagger, right? Yeah. I need a dagger that would just pick up like ketchup and mustard. If just think if Ochi would have stayed alive, he would have had like the cleanest spaceship because he could have just maybe convinced the dagger just to like absorb all the, the dirt and dust. He could have put it on like a really long pole and he could have like cleaned the ceiling of the ship and everything. Be like like a Swiffer, like a Sith Swiffer. <laughs> that's that's actually what it the dagger was, and Ochi just confused it all. Yeah. 
the Sith Eternal were like, dude, you've got to clean this ship. This place is a mess. It smells weird. Yeah, until it got the taste for blood. It just wanted to, it just had a taste for clean. <laughs> this lemon scent. And don't forget to check out our website, BlastPointsPodcast.com, and follow us on all the social media stuff, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and if you're on Facebook, make sure you're in our super chill group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where we had our commentaries for every single episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi the show. And in just a matter of weeks, we are going to be talking about the crazy ILM documentary series, Light and Magic, over there on the Patreon. And before you know it, we're going to be talking about Andor and Bad Batch. Whew, yeah, it's glad we can talk about like books and stuff right now and do two weeks of the Sith because later this year it's going to be getting crazy. Well, and don't forget, it's still Attack of the Clones year and we have lots of good Attack of the Clones year fun coming as well. Yeah, lots of cool special guests coming on to talk about Attack of the Clones with us. Lots of good stuff on the way with blast points and next week it is another sith themed episode what's it gonna be i don't know but it sounds like a good idea yeah it sounds like it's one people should really look forward to next week and if you've been listening closely you might be able to figure it out so until then everyone thank you all so much for listening and we will talk to you next week Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you.